got to know Pastor and his wife, um, that he's already become a very good friend and a very good supporter and a person of prayer. And um, God has really gifted this church with an excellent leader and family that I believe is going to rely on the Holy Spirit to bring an anointing for not only this church, but outside of these four walls. And I'm just excited about an explosion coming from the Lord, about people getting saved and filled with the Spirit and people getting healed, because that's what it's all about. Amen? So we just thank the Lord for Pastor and his wife. Thank you. We've been working with um, Transitions uh, Hospice. We were here last time to talk to you about that. And we thank Mona for her leadership because we come to your church once a month. And um, the beginning of this month, we talked about another chapel night came and we talked about the importance of grieving. And then in February 2nd, we're going to come and talk about the importance of forgiveness. And so we just want to invite you to be able to come to that. Since I've seen you last, um, we've had a rough go as a family um, in December, actually Christmas morning that night. I went to the ER uh, with kidney stones. And then uh, they eventually led me to go home with some pain meds, which never really work. And then um, on the 27th, which was my birthday, I went back because the kidney stones returned. And um, the lady says, you know, is the pain level uh, between 1 and 10? I said, do you have a 12? And so um, the pain level was so high. And so for those two days, we had kidney stones. And then um, a family member we found out is really having a difficult time with prescription uh, drugs as far as addiction. Um, and so it continues to go. And then, of course, you know, you got to expect something like an appliance to break. So, of course, our washing machine went out. <laughs> so you got all these things in a row that are happening. And so really the, the key is how do we respond? That's the answer, is how do we respond to difficult times? And I was listening to... Uh, Dr. Tony Evans off of Moody the other day, and it was a perfect time, and I want to share this illustration with you because I know we're all supposed to walk that narrow path, and we do the best we can, but a lot of times something in life hits, and it knocks us off that path. It's either something that we've done wrong with our wrong decision, or uh, life's done something wrong, or God's testing us for something, or the enemy's attacking with something. But something gets us off of that narrow path, and the, but God is always faithful to get us back on that narrow path, and he does it in a loving way. And so I listened to Dr. Evans, and he shared this illustration I want to share with you for anyone here that's going through a difficult time, that's going through a time that um, either yourself or a family member or a friend, because this illustration just brought me back to dead center. And it's simply titled, The Fern and the Bamboo. One day I decided to quit quit my job, quit my relationships, quit my spirituality. I wanted to quit life. I went to the woods to have one last talk with God. God, I said, can you give me one good reason not to quit? His answer surprised me. He said, look around. Do you see the fern and the bamboo? Yes, I replied. God said, when I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them light, I gave them water, the fern grew quickly from the earth, its brilliance of green covered the floor, yet nothing came from that bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. In the second year, the fern grew more vibrant and plentiful, 
And again, nothing came from the bamboo seed, but I did not quit on the bamboo. In year three, there was still nothing from that bamboo seed, but I did not quit. The same in year four. Then in the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth. Compared to the fern, it was seemingly small and insignificant, but six months later, the bamboo rose to over 100 feet tall. It had spent the five years growing its roots underground. These roots made it strong. I gave it to it when it needed to survive. I would not give any of my creations a challenge it could not handle. Did you know, my child, that in all this time you've been struggling, you've been actually growing roots on the inside? Don't compare yourself to others, he said. The bamboo had a different purpose than the fern, yet they both make the forest beautiful. Your time will come, God said to him. You will rise high. How high should I rise? How high will the bamboo rise? He has to return as high as it can. He said, give me glory by rising as high as you can. I left the forest realizing that God will never give up on me and he'll never give up on you. Never regret any days in your life because we're all still growing on the inside. So I pray that's a blessing for you if you're going through a difficult time or even in the future because we're all in this life go through difficult trials and tribulations no matter what. And so you might not be going through something right now, but maybe there might be something around the corner. Be ready to collide with your destiny. This is a challenge to you. This is a challenge to the church. This is an equipping message for you to listen to what God is saying to you specifically because each one of you matter to God. Each one of you has value in God's eyes. Destiny. It's really defined as the events that will necessarily happen to a particular person or thing in the future. But God may have you, as he does with me in my life, on a little bit of a detour right now. But God has always prepares his people for greater things. If you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, you will see how faithful God is. Even though your life may be in a little bit of a detour right now, you, are, you will read in the scriptures that God is always faithful with his people to prepare them for their next assignment. Nothing that you and I go through is ever wasted from God. No experience is ever wasted at all. And so God is doing something on the inside of his church because he wants us to go deeper and deeper with him. I know Jeremiah 29 11 says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So preparation in our lives simply means purpose. Preparation means purpose. And I want to encourage you to not let your right now interrupt what God has for your tomorrow. Don't let your right now of what you're facing or what you're going through interrupt you for what God wants you to do tomorrow. This story this morning is highlighted on, obviously, God and Daniel. And I want you to read with me Daniel chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. We're going to actually read the text, and then we're going to come back to it. But I want you to read with me uh, this text because it really deals on how God used Daniel to help him collide with his destiny. There is a parallel between Daniel and Joseph. 
God used both of these men to prosper them in foreign lands. God used both of these men to interpret dreams for those who were in authority over them. And then they collided with their destiny because God then elevated them to very high positions. And we see that in the life of Joseph, but also in the life of Daniel. So Daniel is, thank you. Daniel was used uh, by God quite a bit. Daniel had to go through a lot of difficult times. And you see, a lot of times we need to be able to be know that it's necessary for us to go through difficult times. Because when we go through difficult times, that's where we learn the most, and that's where we hang on to God the hardest, is when we go through difficult times. Anyone can praise God when things are good in our lives. Anyone can praise God when you're on the mountaintop. But when you're in the valley, it's a really a true test of our faith and true test of our character on where we're at and what we really believe in. It really attacks our belief system. So in Daniel 4.19, it talks about how Daniel is used by God um, to interpret a dream for this king. And we'll come back and talk more about the story. But Daniel 4.19, Daniel's called into the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar. Then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which is in a dream, which grew large and strong with its tops touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, have nesting places in its branches and for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. So Daniel was telling him, you're the one that has this vast kingdom, you're powerful, you're well-known, you're famous, you have resources that are unlimited, and your kingdom just branches out like this gorgeous tree. It brings shade to people, it feeds people, it protects people, but there's a problem here. In verse 22, you king are that tree, you have become great and strong, your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger or holy one coming down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let it be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times passed by him, or seven years. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree the Most High has issued against the Lord. You'll be driven away from people who you live with, the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by you until you acknowledge the Most High is the sovereign over the kingdom of men and gives them anything he wishes. The command to leave the stump on the tree with its roots, meaning your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge, and acknowledge is an important word here, that heaven rules. This is a story about Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's name in Hebrew means God is judge. When we're introduced to Daniel in this story, even before the dream and before he met King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a teenager. He was around age 16. And Daniel was a young man that was committed to God. And King Nebuchadnezzar went into Babylon, left Babylon and invaded Jerusalem. And know what Babylon is today is modern-day Iraq. And, and went into invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the city and took captive the strongest and, and the most handsome and wisest men that he could. And here's what the king did that was evil as well. And God always remembers the evil that people do. But the king left the elderly and the sick for themselves to die on their own. Nebuchadnezzar took 
Israel's best back to them and happened to be Daniel. And we know in the story, the Bible story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so those men and others went to Babylon. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was idolized by the former dictator of Iraq, who we know was Saddam Hussein. Because Saddam Hussein absolutely loved King Nebuchadnezzar, and he wanted to bring back to Babylon and start and have and recreate the beautiful gardens of seven wonders of the world. But the King Nebuchadnezzar, he was brilliant in his thinking. He had an architectural mind. We know that he was one that created the seven wonders of the world. He was a powerful oppressor. He had a lot of gold and palaces, and he was a high-end dictator. But Nebuchadnezzar, we know, sent out a decree, and that all the Hebrews would follow it, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel did not follow his decree to be able to bow down to the king in his presence. And so one night, God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to have a dream. It was such a bad dream, a bad nightmare, it woke him up, and he was terrified. And in the dream, God takes away all of his peace by using a lot of symbolism as well, but the king didn't understand it. And you see, when the king had a dream, what he did is, is that he called in his magicians, his astrologers, his enchanters, and he said this, here's my dream, he tells them the dream, and the regular pattern was, tell me what it means. This time he calls in the magicians and the enchanters and astrologers and he says, I had a dream last night, tell me what my dream is and tell me the interpretation. Now they're in big trouble. They can't fake it. And guess what? They couldn't do it. And that's what I believe God is doing today, even in our nation and across the world, is that people who think they are so wise, God is using the foolish things and the foolish things of people to bring wisdom of really what God wants to do. And so they come in, they can't do it, the king has them escorted out of his presence, and they are executed. But there's someone in the king's chamber, there's someone who's working with the king that knew about Daniel. And they summoned Daniel because they believe that Daniel can come and help the king. So Daniel comes in, and the king says, I had a dream, and I had an interpretation. I want you to tell me what the dream is, tell me what the interpretation is. And Daniel says, wait. Let's pause. And that's what I think we need to do as Christians, to be wise when it comes time for our decisions and our choices, is that we need to wait, and we need to pause and follow the example of Daniel because he basically said, King, give me a few minutes. Give me some time. Because I'm going to go back where I always pray. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask my God about what the dream is and what the interpretation is. So Daniel went back and he prayed and fasted. And you see, that's important for us as well because I think a lot of times we can go and just get ahead of God and we can try to make decisions and then all of a sudden we make these decisions and say, God, where have you been? How come you weren't in this? And God's like, well, you brought me in as a relief pitcher. And I don't want to be a relief pitcher. I want to be the starter in your life. And so Daniel comes back and he says, I've heard from my God, the one true God. Now here Daniel starts to witness about the God. He's talking about Yahweh. He's talking about the anointed one. He's talking about Jehovah. And he comes back and he shares the dream and the interpretation completely, as we have already read it, with 
the king. And so the king decides to take Daniel and starts to proclaim that Daniel's God is the guy. Because they used to worship a lot of different gods. But Daniel's on to something. Daniel not only told me what I dreamt, but he told me the interpretation of it. And one of the things that he told the king is, God is going to give you one year to really just get your act together. To get away from yourself. To get away from your wickedness. Get away from your evil. Get away from your selfishness and how you rule these people. You have one year to do this. And for a while, the king was real serious about this. He took Daniel at his word that he heard from God and he was serious about it. But over time, what happened is it started to go away and the king started to go back the way he used to. And you see, in our lives, I think sometimes we can have spiritual amnesia in our own lives. Because when we're going through something, we're just like, where are you at, God? How come you're not showing up, God? And God says, wait a minute, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have this spiritual amnesia. We forget about what God did for us yesterday. We don't think we can, he knows what he's going to do for us today or be in our future. And so I've been guilty myself of having this, I call it spiritual amnesia, about forgetting how God has shown up for me. Even at the 1159th hour, God is true, God is faithful, and God still shows up for us because he has our back. So as the story goes on, I just want to point out to you that Daniel was being used by God to collide with his destiny, to be used of God for that moment. And each one of us are used by God for special moments, divine appointments. And this was Daniel's time. This was Daniel's time not to shine for himself to look at Daniel because Daniel's not like Daniel wasn't like that. And as Christians, we should not be like that because when someone wants to compliment us as something we did for God, we deflect it and say that was the Lord. But this was his time. Think about the Old Testament characters and the New Testament characters that God rose up just in the right time right in the right moment to be used by God to do things that were incredible for God. We all have those moments. And what we do with those moments is what's important to let God use us. You see, when Jesus, before the crucifixion, you remember how he went into the temple and the money changers were in there. And it just made him sick and it was angry. And he went in and he basically kicked him out of there. And then when he leaves there, he goes over to this fig tree because our Savior was hungry. And he noticed from a difference when there's a fig tree, there's the leaves are green. It means that it's close for the figs to be ripe in order to eat them. So our Savior goes over to the fig tree, wanting to grab a fig to have some nutrition so that he can eat. He was hungry. But he found out that there was no figs available on the tree. And so Jesus cursed the fig tree. And so for three years, he cursed the fig tree. And three is very important in the story of the fig tree. Because for three years, what did John the Baptist do? For three years, what did Jesus do? They preached repentance to Israel, to Jerusalem. And so the fig tree had its moment to give some nutrition to the Savior, but did not give him 
fig for nutrition. But it had its moments. We all have our moments, and what are we going to do with those moments? And so the one year has gone by. Daniel comes back to King Nebuchadnezzar and says, guess what? You've not changed. Your heart is the same. You're as wicked as you were before. God's going to do something about it. God shows up. Nebuchadnezzar loses his kingdom. He's set outside of his kingdom. He goes lives outside like a wild animal. He's eating grass just like cattle or an ox. Until a year goes by, till he finally realizes that you know what? Daniel was right. His God is right. And it says that he lifted his head and looked where? Looked out? No, he lifted his head and looked heavenward. And then God changed the whole thing for him. Nebuchadnezzar had that moment. I'm going to show you in just a minute a movie clip about a horse called Secretariat. And Secretariat was an amazing horse that won the Triple Crown. In order to win the Triple Crown, you have to win three major races. And when I was in the movie theater watching it, it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me with a still, small voice saying, I want you to be like Secretariat. I'm thinking, want me to be like a horse? <laughs> and so, but it's more than that. It goes always deeper with God. He does something to get our attention, or he's real good at nudging us to get our attention, to wake us up. Say, hey, snap out of it. Start thinking the right way. Get your mind right. So I'm watching this race, and they're ready to start out. And then, but I did some research about it, and Secretariat was trained by its trainer to, when the bell went off and all the horses are coming out of the gate, Secretariat's strategy of the owner and trainer was this. I'm going to hang back. I'm going to hang back. I'm going to hang back in the crowd. And at the last minute when we come around the corner to get to the finish line, I'm going to, the horse is going to sprint and win. And that strategy worked for Secretariat for the longest time. Until there was a horse named Sham. And you'll see Sham in this race. And Sham is going to be neck and neck with Secretariat. And even the jockey, you're going to hear some comments coming. And when you hear those comments coming, I want you to think about the comments that sometimes comes your way and my way from the enemy or from even people who don't want you to succeed. And so they changed the strategy of Secretariat. And that Secretariat, they trained him, trained him harder and harder than has ever been trained before. And Secretariat actually sprinted the whole race. It just completely changed. And a lot of times when I saw them all running in the pack, I heard the Lord just say to me, sometimes there's too much comfort in that pack. Sometimes you're too comfortable of doing what you know. Sometimes you're just too comfortable and you have security in being comfortable. And it's time to, to break away from the pack. It's time to think outside the box. It's time to do something different than anyone else is doing. And so when I saw the race and I saw Secretariat kick it into another gear, this horse not only kicked it to another gear, but like the TV camera wasn't even wide enough to see the other horses. And when you watch this race with me on this clip, 
Here's what I want you to do for the sake of illustration only. As a Christian, let's run the race that God has set before us, just like Secretariat. Let's see the clip. Horses now loaded in. of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds.
who came in second place, was a world champion within herself. An autopsy was done on Sham. Tremendous horse, beautiful horse. The size of Sham's heart was 18 pounds. The size of a human heart of a male is 10 ounces. A lady is 8 ounces. When the autops did the autopsy for Secretariat, 22 pounds was the size of his heart. And when I found that out, God asked me this question. Terry, how big is your heart for me? Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart. I think if our world and our nation would just do that, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, soul, and spirit, and love our neighbors and ourselves, our nation would break out into repentance and revival. If we just did that. So this morning, let me ask you, how big is your heart for God this morning? Are you satisfied of where you're at in your walk with God? Or do you want more? I think it's time for the church to stand up and with thirst and hunger and say, God, we're not satisfied. We want more. I don't know about you, but I am tired of reading in church history about the revivals that broke out in the past. I love history. I love church history. I love the revivals of what God did. I love everything that Billy Graham has done. I love everything that the evangelists have done. But I don't know about you, but I'm asking God to bring a fresh anointing, a fresh presence, and a fresh thirst and hunger from his people so that we can not only be blessed ourselves, but to take what we get inside of these churches and take them outside of these four walls and to have a hunger and thirst for God and for our family and friends and people we go to school with so that we can see them come to Christ. That's what it comes down to is people coming to know Christ and their Savior and Lord. How big is your heart this morning? How big is my heart? I'm going to end with this story about that moment I was talking about. And we're not just going to have a moment singular, we're going to have moments. But I love this story about Queen Esther. Queen Esther was a girl that was just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. She lived in a remote village. But the king wanted more women into his harem. He wanted more virgins into his harem. And someone told, who worked for the king about Esther, they went and got her, and 399 other women. There was 400 in this guy's harem. Just to satisfy him. And during the time that this king was reigning, he had a man, his right-hand man next to him, who was an evil man, who came from one of the tribes that actually hated Israel, was an enemy of Israel, 
And he wanted to see all the Jews be killed. And Haman had the king's ear and whispered into the king's ear and tricked him into coming up with a plan to have all the Jews exterminated. And Mordecai, Esther's uncle, was involved in this story as well. And Mordecai was her counsel. He was the main cheerleader. He was her support. And you know, if any one of those ladies in that harem would walk into the king's presence without being announced with the king's permission, they would be killed instantly. If you read Esther chapter 4, verse 14, we all know where it says, and for such a time as this. This was Esther's moment. Mordecai is telling her that there is a plan against the Jews. God wants to use you, Esther, but you have to step up and have faith and courage and not be afraid about your own life. And Esther said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going into the king's presence and I'm going to tell him of the evil plan to exterminate all of my people. That was Esther's moment. But here's something we don't understand sometimes about Esther chapter 4. What Mordecai said to her was this. If you don't go, God will use someone else. If you don't do this, God will use someone else. Think about your life. I'm thinking about my life. I don't want God to use someone else. I want God to use you and 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 me. I want God to use me. I don't want to be passed over for the very moment that I was created for. The very moment of that divine assignment. And Esther walks boldly in and she is received by the king so much. You know what he did from his former queen who he cast away? He grabbed the crown right then and there and placed it on her head, and she became the new queen. For such a time as this, what is God having you do right now that you're not doing? Please be obedient. Let God use you. What size of heart do you have? Let's stand together. We have the worship team come up one more time, please. And as we're singing the chorus, we are standing here on holy ground. I would like you to feel extremely comfortable to come up. Pastor will be here. His leadership will be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to invite my wife, Debbie, to join me. And whatever prayer needs you have, you're going through a difficult time. It can be your health. It can be your finances. It can be a broken relationship. You can simply come and say, you know what, Pastor, I want you to pray because my heart for God has been like this. And I want it to be bigger than secretariats. You might come up and say, I have an unspoken need. It's very private between you and God. We'll still pray and still believe. Whatever your need is, believe that the God of the impossible can take care of it. Let's start to believe 
that the God of the impossible can do it for you. One of my favorite questions in all the Bible is this. Jesus was talking to Bar blind Bartimaeus on the roadside, and he went there and begged every day. And Jesus came up to him and said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, most pastors taking pride aside, you could say, that's a hard question because I always want God to bless his people. So I always transferred it over. And God says, no, 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 wait a minute. What do you want me to do for you? Not someone else. What do you want me to do for you? So listen right now. If Jesus says and calls your name and says, tell me, what do you want me to do for you? And in your own heart and your own mind, answer that question right now. He's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And notice the one who's asking it, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who threw the stars out, the whole universe, who walked on the water and rose again from the dead is saying to you in a personalized way, what do you want me to do for you? And go ahead and answer them. But as we sing this song, during the right when we start this song, we want you to come for prayer. And when you come for prayer, bring your faith. 